Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moisel, and these are the women who rule. Welcome back to She Dynasty. We are interviewing Liz Jenkins, who is the CFO of Hello Sunshine, the media production company that was created by Reese Witherspoon, which was founded in 2016. And Hello Sunshine, as so many people know, um, has focused on telling women's stories and connecting women through stories that inspire and empower. And nothing could be more perfect for She Dynasty than uh, Hello Sunshine and you and everything that you've done um, to kind of get to where you are today. So I'm so, so excited to have you. So welcome, Liz. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Valerie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you virtually. This is my very first interview since um, the world has changed in so many different ways um, with COVID-19, which I don't want to talk about because I can't stomach it anymore. But also since the you know terrible tragedy that's happened to um, George Floyd and so many others and the entire Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and so I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that just because um, it's been, you know, an incredibly powerful time for me to kind of reflect. I've been doing a lot of, you know, learning as a privileged white female, and it's really um, kind of changed my priorities as a business owner and as a mom. And I wanted just to hear from you for a minute, um, just how how this entire, you know, time has kind of affected you. Look, I'm really glad you asked. Um, I think it is important to kind of pause and, and, and take a moment and talk about both, you know, Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter in 2020 and, and this moment. Um, you know, since we're in podcast medium, I will, will say up front that I am a Black female. And, you know, so obviously systemic racism is something I'm, you know, unfortunately intimately familiar with and something I've dealt with my entire life. I think um, in the interest of time, I could I could answer this question about how I'm feeling in this moment. Um, I could spend 45 minutes doing it and still barely scratch the surface. Um, but to really summarize, I'd say the following. I think one is I am as painful as it is to see these things happening now, but also know that it's been going on forever. It, it, every time something happens, it just it's like salt in a wound, um, but worse. Um, I think that as a leader, but yet as an individual I feel hope that we are having converse, that conversations like this are happening everywhere and repeatedly, that there's a renewed focus, not just on not being racist, but being anti-racist. Uh, and as a leader in this time, you know, I, I am learning new things every single day. And I find myself sort of stretching and, and, and growing and being open to having discussions that I probably would have for things I just would have set to the side before. I mean, that was kind of how I always did this. Well, you know what? Let me let me leave this part of myself at the door. And now I'm at work. And I think what is lovely and amazing, and I am uniquely fortunate to be um, at a company like Hello Sunshine, where this sort of like not just the discourse is encouraged, but like the doing the work of it, too. That's that's my my lengthy take <laughs> on on a topic that I can talk about for hours. <laughs> but it's been a very uh, vulnerable time for me, you know, just because, um, as you mentioned, I always felt like it was enough to, you know, just not be racist. And I I realized 
wow, I mean, just hit me like a ton of bricks with all of this of what the responsibility is and how much more I have to do. And just really been doing my research and talking to people. And now I have this platform of She Dynasty. And I thought, oh my gosh, what an incredible opportunity to, you know, really hit two um, incredible objectives, you know, not only empowering women, but black women, right? And making sure that I you know, reach out and find as many as I can where I can tell their stories and inspire others. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to kind of jump into telling your story, um, your journey. So many people want to hear about um, how you got to where you are. You have such an incredible um, career. I loved reading your pre-interview questions. It was really, really awesome. Um, so let's start from, from the very, very beginning. Tell us, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, <laughs> two very different answers. Okay. I, was born in Lex I was born in Lexington, Kentucky. And what I would say to people is like, I grew up all over. Um, you know, lived in Phoenix, lived in Memphis, then Little Rock, and then um, St. Louis. So I joked that I went to three different high schools, which is, you know, it, and I did it in four years. It wasn't, you know, three different high schools in six years. Um, so yeah, a bit of, and that's why my accent is completely indistinguishable. It doesn't, it's not really Southern. It's not really California. And, and people are always absolutely flummoxed, um, trying to figure out where, where I'm from. Right. Yeah. Why was your family so mobile? You know, I mean, I think every move had a different like explanation. So my, um, my parents were both from the South and after my parents, my parents divorced when I was pretty young actually in Lexington. And so my mom um, went to law school at the age of 30 with a two-year-old. And, um, you know, so you kind of wonder why I set some high standards for myself. Like that's where that came from. And a pretty amazing example and role model to, to follow. And so, yeah, so after she finished law school, she moved to, um, we moved to Phoenix and she practiced law there. And, and then I think she recognized, you know, being an associate with a, a five-year-old, six-year-old is pretty challenging. And she decided to um, transition to teaching law. Um, and so we moved across the country and she taught at, it was then called Memphis State University. And also to be close to my grandparents, my, her family was in Arkansas. Um, so yeah, that was, that, those were the primary reasons for the move. Awesome. I understand that she was also a, a desegregationist, um, mm -hmm. a very inspirational figure in your life. Tell us a little bit about that time and the work that she did. It's interesting. So my mom is the oldest of four, and my grandfather um, was a civil rights attorney, NAACP, and um, was ultimately was you know a federal judge. And he was appointed by Carter in the '80s, and he kind of became he was like the first black ex judge, Y judge, Z judge, and ultimately was appointed uh, appointed to the U.S. District Court by um, by Carter. And my mom was very much his daughter. And, you know, they lived in Pine Bluff, Arkansas in the 60s. And they'd actually sued the school district to integrate. And they couldn't find, it was really challenging to find students that would kind of pass muster. You know, it had to be someone who came from a very well-established family who was smart, who was willing to potentially go it on her own. And, you know, my mother, I often grew up thinking my mom, my grandfather said, hey, you need to do it. And it wasn't until it was his funeral, I was 30, and we were all talking and, and reminiscing, and my mom explained that she volunteered. And that, to me, was, I tell you, I was shocked, because it was growing up and hearing stories when she'd tell me about what her experiences were. I just tell you honestly, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, I, I usually would cut her off. I couldn't, like, it was really hard to hear as a child. 
right. you know, that someone would do this to your mom just because, and my mom's tiny. I mean, I'm no giant myself. My mom's like under five feet tall. She'll kill me for saying that. And like this big, you know, but to be spit on, to be called names, to be bullied just because of the colors. And she's my mom, you know, and it was really, it was really hard to hear. But I think the lesson, obviously, that I took from that and hearing the experiences of my grandfather being a civil rights attorney in the South, um, you know, the death threats, the bomb threats, all the stuff that you see in the movies, those are the stories that I heard. But what I took from that is both a, a sense of up, like duty and obligation. And I, I hate the word obligation, but it, it is, it's a requirement that like each of us is here to kind of, to blaze trails, to create opportunity, not just for ourselves, but for, for everyone. You know, the message, the mantra I was, was like too much is given, much is required. And I um, was very blessed to have two amazing role models who set the bar really high. Really high. Um, and, you know, like there's nothing's impossible is the lesson that I, I, you know, I learned from a very young age. Did you ever feel pressure that you had to follow in their footsteps in, you know, law? <laughs> I always tell the story of my first grade teacher. We bumped into her one day at the grocery store and she said to my mom, she said, you know, Liz told a very interesting story in class. Uh, she explained to the class the concept of collateral. And um, she said, she was like, how did she know what collateral was? And my mom was like confused. And she said, well, you know, we told the story of the princess and the frog, where the frog is playing with a ball and it falls down, or sorry, the princess is playing with a ball, it falls down the well. And the frog, she asked the frog to get it for her. And he says, well, if you give me a kiss, the frog hops in, gets the ball, and then she refuses to kiss him. Apparently, Six-year-old me raised her hand and said, well, the princess, the frog should have asked for collateral. <laughs> and, and the whole, so my teacher was like, how did she know what collateral was? And my mom was like, oh, you know, I think she wanted like a toy or some candy and she didn't have enough allowance left. And so I said, sure, I'd give her a loan, but I needed collateral. And with one of my Barbies, I put up for collateral. So I think even less than like, there was never explicit pressure to follow in their footsteps and practice law, but rather it was like I was raised from a program from a very young age to think like a lawyer would think. Um, and you know, ultimately, the funny thing was I had planned to go to law school, and I ultimately what ended up changing that like the course of my life in that way was, you know, I ended up I decided to at Stanford I was majoring in psychology, and I said, you know what, I'm going to major in psych and then I'm going to law school. And then I had an internship one summer and my manager said to me, well, what happens if you don't go to law school right away? What kind of job are you gonna get with a psychology degree? And I'm like, well, that's a really good point. Right. I should do something practical. So I double majored in psych and econ. Nice. And then ultimately, um, you know, by the time it came time to graduate, I was completely enamored of like the business world. And, um, you know, after spending four years studying economics and decided to go that way. My mom, by the way, still holds out hope that, you know, I'll go to law school. Just in fact, the other day, she said to me, I had a student once who went in her 60s. So yeah, it's never too late for you to go. I kid you not, that was a week ago. So <laughs> uh, no, well, <laughs> my mom retired. She, she taught up until about two years ago. And when my mom retired, she promptly a month later said, hey, I'm going to open up my own law practice. So actually, my mom is practicing. She's in the middle of litigating an employment discrimination lawsuit. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So going strong. So you started at Stanford and then moved mm -hmm. on to Wharton Business School. Mm -hmm. tell, us about, tell us about your time there. Why did you choose Wharton? 
You know, I think um, for me, if I look at the first half of my career and just how I approached everything, it was pretty pragmatic. It was really all about how do I build like foundations? What are the fundamentals that I need to cover, right? So even, even though the goal was doing something entrepreneurial, when I left Stanford, I went to work at GE because, you know, and, and talk about stayed and it seems strange to leave in the middle of the dot-com boom and go work for, you know, a large industrial company. But I felt like I need to learn business. I don't actually know how to do anything. And so I thought of um, Wharton and business school as an important step in that process, you know, and um, I was really impressed by kind of the balance of the coursework that was offered in terms of being able to kind of scratch like the itch that I had around the media space, as well as, you know, really strong sort of technical fundamental skills. And it was one of the best institutions with best, you know, kind of colleagues and, and classmates and that was that decision. It felt like a really important step in kind of preparing myself for what I hoped was to come. Awesome. Tell us, um, what was your first paid job? Not out of college as ever, as even if you were a teenager, what was the very first job that you got paid to do? Besides raking leaves in the backyard, which was to, to buy a pair of clogs that I wanted from Papagallo in Memphis, and my very first paid job, this is actually funny, was at a place called Stakeout. I was 16 years old, and you probably haven't heard of Stakeout. Most people haven't. It was a restaurant. It wasn't dine-in. It was like takeout or delivery only, but it was like steak. So you could order steak or hamburgers, and I answered the phones. And so I took phone orders. And then doing, so I literally sat at a stool all like afternoon long answering this phone. And um, there was just a kitchen in the back and I'd pack up like the desserts and salads and to-go bags. If you ask anybody on my team, they will tell you, you have had the most insane range of jobs of anybody like we know. I won't bore you guys with all the crazy like odd jobs I've had, but I think that was, that was the first one. It's always interesting to hear people's first job is to see kind of how far they've come, right? I know, I know. It was either that or the customer service counter at TJ Maxx. And I can't remember which one came first, but I was like 16 when I did, you know, both of those. And what was your very first job out of college? My very first job out of college was at GE. So I joined what's called the Financial Management Program, FMP program at GE Medical Systems. Ever the pragmatist, I'd had a bunch of internships at GE throughout college. And I knew I wanted to do entertainment. And so they said, well, do you want to go to NBC and do the program there? Or do you want to go? The other business that was really recommended to me at the time was GE Medical Systems. It's really global, fastest growing business inside of GE. And so even though I wanted to be in entertainment, you'd think, well, why don't you take that one? I thought, well, one, I didn't know that I wanted to live in New York City making $39,000 a year. I'll just be honest. <laughs> like that was one. It's like that 39K would go a lot further in Milwaukee than in Manhattan. And then two, you know, I felt like if I'm doing this to really learn like the fundamentals of business, I need to learn the real fundamentals, not just entertainment math, but like general business math. I don't know. Had I, could I do it all over again? That I go back to Milwaukee in January of 2000. Um, but it, you know, it turned out okay, I guess. And I understand there's a story that happened in your childhood that sparked your interest in GE. Tell us that story. Oh. <gasps> so the funny thing is, is I have this memory of, you know, in a class at school, we're talking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I kind of said, I must have been, I think like sixth grade or something. And I said, you know, I want to be your seventh. I mean, I want to be the CEO of NBC. And I think the reason I had this idea was because I, I, it's killing me to remember what show it was. My favorite show must have been on, was on NBC at that time. And so of course, like what I would do, I'd be one of the CEO of the company that makes my favorite show. 
And then I did some research and I realized that GE owned NBC. And I said, well, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to be the CEO of NBC. I want to be the CEO of GE. I don't want to have like that guy's my boss. The top of the top of the top. I want to be at the top of the top of the top. <laughs> now, the, the reason the story is really funny is at that time, one of my mother's best friends from law school, and I didn't know this, um, was married to, um, the, to Jack Welch, who was the CEO of GE. So she and my mom happened to connect shortly like thereafter. And we then started spending time with him. And I remember the first time I met Jack, I was like 14 or something, 15. And he's the first thing he said to me, he's like, so you're the little girl who wants my job one day. And he said it not in a way that was patronizing. It was kind of like a little bit with a chuckle, like look at the ego on this kid, but also a like, well, that's possible. What are we going to do about it? You know? And so that was ultimately, and they, I have to say, I sent Jane, um, that was this Jane Beasley, who's married to, to Jack during that time. I sent her a note the other day just saying thank you. And I think it was actually after thinking about like this session, I was like, you know what? It is so much of like your story. There are little things that people do along the way, little doors that are opened and, you know, um, they really shape who you are and what you can become. And she said, Liz, you don't need to thank me. You did all that yourself. I said, well, you know, yes. And I mean, I know I put in the work, but um, you really kind of, you created the conditions for me to do that. You were always a person that I'd call and ask for advice on and a sound of different things. And she was just an amazing sounding board. And so, so yeah, I have um, that kind of like whatever show that was on NBC. That's why I need to figure out to thank for opening a lot of interesting doors for me along the way. I find it, I find it really um, fascinating just because, you know, most little girls don't think, or especially around that time, don't think about, um, I want to be a CEO of a company. <laughs> that, that's really a testament to your mom and kind of the bar that she set for you, right? Just kind of making you understand like there was uh, the, the possibilities were, you know, endless. So, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I also um, read in your pre-interview that you were working as an invest, you had some investment banking jobs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love to do on She Dynasty is I find patterns amongst um, the women who I interview, these successful women. So many women who I've talked to um, were in investment banking um, as part of their journey. So it's one of those things, if I ever write a book, you know, I'm starting to find these little kind of moments oh. that, um, kind of add up if you ever want a formula of how to get to the top. Tell us about um, that, that time. You know, it, <laughs> it's funny you say that because immediately my mind goes to like, what is it? Like, what are those things in the same way they talk about sports? And right. if you look at CEOs, a lot of CEOs played sports like through high school or right. whatever. And I'm like, you know, I think there's something about resilience that that job teaches you, yeah. you know? I mean, there are a lot of general management skills that I think I learned because you are managing, especially, and so I joined as an associate um, about a year after business school um, at Credit Suisse. And I'll tell you, just as I, the, that group of folks in the media telecom group at Credit Suisse are still to this day, some of my closest friends because it's like we were in the trenches together because that's what that job really, I mean, it is, but especially used to be. I mean, a demanding pace, it, it was, I would laugh sometimes, there were rules like, okay, between the hours of, you know, 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., you had five minutes to respond to an email. Wow. Like max, right? Between the hours, and it probably wasn't 6 p.m., it was probably like 8 p.m. Between the hours of 8 p.m. and call it 1 a.m., you had 15 minutes. Between, I mean, even in the middle of the night, it was kind of 30 minutes because your phone should be on loud or your BlackBerry, I should say, should be on loud. You could not leave the island of Manhattan on the weekends unless you did not live on the island of Manhattan. 
and you had to be within X amount of distance from the, I mean, that was the kind of stuff that you- Is this even legal? <laughs> I know. Well, you know what, they stopped. I mean, they actually, it's interesting. Banks have dialed it back a lot because there've been, you know, people in their twenties having like health crises. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so it's like that sort of environment, it's a bit of a pressure cooker. I always joke and bankers who I love will clear this and get really mad at me, but it was, that was what we kind of were told and taught. You weren't paid to be like the smartest, you were paid to be perfect. Right. You couldn't make a mistake. You're dealing with billions of dollars. I mean, you make one little mistake. So it was like you were paid what you got paid to be perfect and to like strive for absolutely nothing less than that. Yeah. You know, I so mean, go through that. It really, you can handle anything. Yeah, I, to me, that's what it is. It's, it's like re resilience in the face of like really challenging circumstances and knowing that like there were days you walk in, you're like, there's no way I'm going to get all that I need to get done done and you find a way to do it. Did you know what you were getting into? Or yes, right. I okay. did. I did. And I will tell you, interesting, I won't, I won't say the bank. I interned, but I interned for a bank during business school and I didn't take the job because I saw, I knew what the requirements were but like the culture of that group at the time, it just wasn't like a great fit. And I think the reason my colleagues from Credit Suisse and I guess we're still really close friends is we all had each other's back because you can't get through any of that by yourself, right? Even it's humanly impossible. It only works when you're able to really build relationships, like work collaboratively, leverage the resources around you. And so I think, and often historically for women, in the space, we weren't the majority by any stretch, right. especially not at the senior levels because a lot of what was required. And so I think that you kind of were a bit of an, like, an outsider, you were a bit different in an environment that was really intense. And it's like, how do you kind of not only survive, but like thrive in that, you know, it's important skills, <laughs> adaptive skills that you have to, you have to build. So. Right. so what was the spark that made you kind of shift over to wanting to be in the entertainment industry? You know, I think like a lot of people I've met on the business side of the entertainment industry, like I actually was, I want to be an actress. Like that was one of my favorite things. The other thing that runs in my family is like theater. My mom actually has a bachelor's and master's in theater before she went to law school. And so I, and I think the two are kind of linked if you think about like lawyers and theatrics one might say, but I really want to be an actress, but you know, I think I, again, I was a little bit pragmatic and my best, one of my best friends from Stanford, when we were graduating, she was moving to LA. She said, are you going to come with me? Are you going to like, we'll give it a try. Well, and I thought about it for about 15 seconds. It was like, as much as I want to do it, I'm like, gosh, you can be amazing. I could be amazing. I could be like Meryl Streep, Reese Witherspoon level like actress and, um, you know, not make it. And so like, it felt like, well, with business, it's a bit more of a meritocracy. If I'm good at it and work really hard, then anything is possible. And so I think that's always been like within me. I've always enjoyed that. I've enjoyed, like, I love TV shows. I love movies. And I think you add to that, just for me, philosophically, understanding that to be excellent requires an investment of lifetime. It requires an investment of time beyond like nine to six or whatever it is that you're working. And like, I want to do something, if I'm going to invest that type of time, I want it to be something I'm passionate about. And so a joke that coming out of business school, I was like, well, maybe I'll do like, it's either retail, because I really like shopping or, you know, media and entertainment. And I think um, that's it. It was, it's just the inherent kind of personal, like passion and love I have for our business. Right. And um, it brings me joy to like spend my days and nights like thinking about, something like this yeah and so you ended up at 
the most amazing place. You're now at Hello Sunshine as the CFO. And we're going to talk about what that means in a second, because there are some people who are listening that aren't quite sure what a CFO does. So we're going to talk a bit about that. You know, oftentimes people like to really focus on the creatives, the ones who are kind of in the front, um, you know, kind of doing all the, the stuff that you see, the, the creative part of it. Mm-hmm. And wow, what have I, I've realized in my career is the CFO is one important person. <laughs> CFO, because um, wow, it makes a difference. So um, we're going to talk about that. But tell us about how you got to Hello Sunshine. How did that come to be? It's funny. I think there are moments in your life where things just, it's, I hate to be all California woo woo, but like all the stars like align and it's like arrows pointing you like a certain direction. <laughs> it's like, look over here. It was my arriving at Hello Sunshine was very much that, that way. You know, I always tell, advice I always give people is about networking and building your networks and da 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 da. And it all started with a dinner and I was at dinner with a good friend. I was living in the Bay Area. I moved back. I've been in LA for several years. I was in the Bay Area for a couple of years when I was down for a series of meetings and I had dinner with a good friend who'd been trying to convince me to move back to LA since I'd left. And, um, you know, we're just chatting as good friends. She says, well, you know, Liz, I, I heard of this amazing opportunity that I think would be perfect for you. I'm like, okay, sure. All right, Jen, what is it? You know, um, I've heard these before from you. And she said, you know, Ellis, like Reese Witherspoon's companies looking for someone to be kind of CFO slash COO, that type of role. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Oh yeah, you know, Sarah Hart, CEO, I, I don't know her well, but I know someone who knows her. I'm like, okay, you know, thinking back in my mind, I'm going to ping this friend of mine and say, hey, can you introduce me to Sarah? And then over the course of that week, that's a Monday, I just keep hearing Sarah Harden's name everywhere, like in random conversations and like in a way that I never had before. And I'm like, okay, noted. I got it. I got it. I'm going to do it. And then um, I was in town for a conference and I sitting down that morning and trying to figure out what time I'm going to make it to the airport and can I get on an earlier flight because I've been gone all week. And I look down at the agenda and I see speaking that day from, I think it was like 1230 to one, Sarah Harden, Hello Sunshine. I'm like, well, that's a funny coincidence, you know? And so, but I think, you know, we've all been on panels and you get kind of swamped the second you're off. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not going to even try to, to grab her, but I am, I get it. Like, I'm going to follow up and figure out about this. On the same panel as her? No, I was in the audience. So she was oh, on the, she was, yeah, I was on the, I was in the audience. She was on a panel. And so, but I think it's like, there's no one going to be able to grab her in this crowd of like people, but you know, I get it. If this is a funny coincidence, I'll have a bit of background. So interestingly, while she's on the panel, one of the questions she gets asked, because there's, um, she's being interviewed by Rich Greenfield and Rich says to her like, well, so do men work at Hello Sunshine? And she's like, of course, men are welcome. She's like, in fact, I need to hire a CFO. Are you interested in applying? And so then I'm like, okay, data point. I guess that job is available. And so then it's lunch is the next thing. And so I'll tell you, to be honest, I had had the longest week of meetings. And you know those moments where you're like, I don't have any more talking left in me. So I decide, I'm like, I'm going to go and hide. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to people. I'm just going to check my email, et cetera. And so I go to this little room off of the courtyard where most people are. There are five people in the room, three people at one table, two people at the other. And I, I, I stand next to the, at a table next to one of the three people. My phone's plugged in. I'm on my iPad, just, you know, returning emails. Five minutes later, guess who walks into that room, right? Sarah Harton. Okay. And then she, as she walks in, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to her. And yeah. she looks up, she sees me and walks right over. And she's like, Liz, 
And I think, you know, maybe we've met before, we know a ton of people in common. And so I, you know, I said, well, you know, it's so funny to meet you. I've been hearing your name all over the place this week. I said, you know, I like, I've been told I need to chat with you actually about the CFO role you mentioned. And she's like, oh, interesting. Like, it'd be great to talk and you're up to da 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 da. So we exchange information and um, we connect. Now, the funny thing was, I didn't know this at the time. She didn't tell me. She's very coy. Earlier that week, someone else, had mentioned her, had mentioned me to her saying, you need to talk to Liz Jenkins about this role. So that's why I say, I joke that it was like, it was one of those things yeah, where- The universe um, just needed that to happen. It, it put it together. And I think, you know, luckily, like I, I feel every single day, it's, I love, the thing I love about the job is say, it's like, con, you know, consistent existential reinforcement. <laughs> it feels like this role, this opportunity is, is something that I was like uniquely, not even uniquely qualified for. I was like uniquely prepared. Like all yeah. the experiences I had had really uniquely prepared me to be at Hello Sunshine, to be a partner to Sarah, to be to be a part of helping to build, um, you know, helping Sarah and recent executive team like build the business. So it's it's been a gift. You know, my favorite part about your story is is I feel like where I thought you were gonna go or what I thought you were going to say was I was, you know, trying to, you know, freaking out, trying to figure out how to approach her where you were just kind of really nonchalant about it. And somehow she came over to you, which shows kind of your confidence, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Awesome. So tell us really quickly, what does the CFO do? <laughs> you know, it depends. It's always my answer. It really depends on the company. And I don't know if you noticed, I said when, when Jen mentioned the role, she said CFO slash COO. And I think that's important because every company is a little bit different. You have companies where the chief financial officer is really in charge of putting together the financial reporting, making sure that, you know, they're buttoned up processes around like tight controls over like cash coming in and cash going out, right. um, that people get paid on time um, and that including the federal government, <laughs> all of that sort of thing, um, dealing with those sorts of issues. But like, there's a really, there's really a spectrum like, beyond that, right? So how involved are you in thinking about like going forward, strategic planning? What does, um, what do the projected financials of a company look like? Um, and then even kind of going a step beyond that. Well, not just in, you know, putting those numbers into a spreadsheet and making sure they add up, but why? Like why that direction? Why this versus, versus that? Um, you know, and then I think especially at earlier stage companies more and more these days are seeing kind of a bit of this hybrid role where um, a CFO is also overseeing a lot of operations. So like for me, I, you know, I oversee HR at Hello Sunshine. I oversee all the, pretty much all the day-to-day -day stuff at the business, whether it's like facilities or IT. And one of the things for us as a company we are launching um, this year or have launched is starting to actually run physical production in-house and provide production services like directly on our projects and so you know i've been overseeing that and and building that out as well so i wear a lot of different hats and i'm supported by an incredible team who also wear a lot of different hats um you know so the cfo does a lot of things and can do a lot of things but you know also there are things too like m a looking at do you buy, like buying and selling companies and that sort of thing do you ever get to get to be involved in the creative process? Does anybody ever ask your opinion on anything? You know, I, <laughs> I do. I mean, I think here's the thing is it's like the, the executives who like run our business, they have complete 
creative like authorship and ownership. So in no way am I like, a, well, let's make this decision here because that's going to save money. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people <laughs> think of, if, I think if you do that, if I did that in my role, I would very quickly be escorted from those rooms. I wouldn't be invited to join those conversations. But, you know, I think a lot of any, any sort of, any role in the company, it's not just people who are providing services inside of a business, but it's to be a partner and work cross-functionally with, you know, everyone at the organization. So sure, I mean, there are times where um, maybe there's a project that I may have, like, based on my own experience, some interesting insight into. So I may be asked about that, but I think we're just, our very nature as a company is very collaborative. You know, I think it's a mistake to draw, there's a distinction between, well, they're creative people and they're business people. I think you we all coexist <laughs> work together so i think yeah like it's important to have an understanding a respect an understanding of the other side of things right so i think it, a creative person without an understanding of business is gonna have a hard time getting anything greenlit or done because ultimately you know um a company needs to be financially successful in order to to survive and make the next creative project and have their next project ordered by a network so um it's all it's all linked but yeah i do get to be a part of some of those fun discussions as well and i get to read scripts and we worked on some really amazing projects i'm so proud to to be a part yes so um okay so i'm gonna change uh, gears for a sec i want to talk about um some snags so obviously in your career you've probably had um, multiple moments that, um, you know, like I call snags, which are moments that um, things didn't always go the way that you had planned. Is there, is there a moment that um, was really a, a learning lesson for you, something that you took forward, something that um, really helped you kind of reflect on how to be better moving forward that you can share with us at any point in your career? Yeah, you know, I think one for me was probably, I guess now is about that six years ago. And, you know, I was living in LA. I've been in LA for about, about six years, seven years and um, working for a really great company. I had grown a ton. It was finally like that role that I've been like wait, waiting for working towards really being a part of helping to build a business in the entertainment industry. It was, it was like, the brass ring, like I did it, you know? And I just, I recognize I reached this level of burnout that was, you know, I just, I need to take a time out, honestly. And I, you know, I think while I'm, I'm proud of myself for saying like, this is what I need and being okay with walking away from something that like, was hard. It was a hard decision, I'll say honestly, but to walk away from something I worked so hard to achieve, um, you know, without feeling like, well, I'm failing because I, I need to take a break. And so I think for me, it was a bit of a snag because it's like, well, gosh, I wish, I wish I'd done a better job of like, what didn't I do? Were there boundaries that like I should have, should have set? Um, Etc. to have prevented myself from getting to that point in time. And so while, yeah, I mean, so to me that it felt like a snag because it's like, here I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And suddenly I'm like, I just, I need to break, you know? And that wasn't something that had been in like Liz's vision for her life necessarily, you but know, going into away, it. Did you walk away from a job? Did you quit? Did mm -hmm. you time off? Yeah, no, I quit. I said, you know, I, I said, look, I think 
I just need to, I quit without having another job. I didn't look for another job. I just kind of said, I walked into my boss's office as one of our CEOs. And I mean, he, he told me, he's like, that was the last thing I expected to hear out of your mouth. And I said, you know what? I, I think I just, I think I need to leave. And he said, what? You know? And I said, I just, I need a break. I can't. So this, I, you know. this is another pattern that I see a lot of <laughs> and they're like, peace out. I am, I'm, yeah. I don't have another job lined up. I don't know where I'm going, but you know, again, that that's an incredible sense of confidence and you know, you hit a wall and there's just a moment where the universe tells you, you've got to kind of stop and recalibrate and figure out what's next. And I, I really commend you for doing that. And I think it's really important for people to hear that, you know, it's not always easy for everyone to do that because, you know, people have to pay bills and things. But if there is ever a moment where you can and you're in, in a place where you are able to do it, if you're unhappy, just, you know, just stop, rethink and change, you know, shift your direction. It's important. Yeah. No, and it's, it's okay. Because there's a part of you that thinks like, or at least for me, there's part of me, that's, what are people going to think? Are people going to think I got fired? Are people going to think that I'm weak? Are people going to think? Are people going to think? Are people going to think? And then ultimately I said, it doesn't matter what people think. Like, I know what I need. And the one thing I'll, I'll tell you is, is when I left, the thing I didn't tell people, because when people say, well, what do you, do you know what you're going to want to do next after you take some time? And I said, well, I think I'm probably going to want to do something like this and this. And I would describe these things. And I was completely full of it. Because in my heart, I, I, I honestly was like, I don't know. I don't know that I, I, I can do this again. I don't know, like, what's, I'm going to. And that's when I knew I really need to take a break. When the thought of, like, I'm not ready for the next thing. I don't know if I'm ever. Am I ever going to be ready? Am I ever going to be excited to dive into the next thing? That's when you're, you know, you need to put yourself, at least for me, I was like, I knew I need to put myself in like, a, not even a timeout of sorts, but like, you know, taking time off and. Right. Well, it seems like you've ended up in a very good place. <laughs> yes. um, that really has an incredible mission and vision. Um, so I just curious, how, how closely do you work with Reese? Is she a big part of your day to day or is it once in a while? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Reese is like intimately involved with Hello Sunshine. I mean, Reese is like obviously not just our our founder, um, but Reese. I mean, I think she views Hello Sunshine as this is her life's work, yeah. you know, and um, she is like intimately involved like with with the company and and is such not only a visionary leader, but she's really hands on. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that whether it's not just on like the projects that we're doing, but thinking about like the culture that we're setting, the develop, like leadership development activities for, um, for folks at the company, she's, you know, very, very much um, involved. And, you know, it has been an absolute like, kind of like honor and pleasure working with her and for her you know i mean i think the the excellence bar is high and it's something that we all share but i think the neat thing is too is that she really is she empowers each of us you know because i think that like oftentimes you know there there are folks who bring you on but not let you do what it is that you do and i think that she and it's very much aligned what we talk a lot about is our like mission and our yeah. values, it's about like authorship, women having authorship and agency. And that same thing has to exist inside of the company. Right. And that's the standard that she sets. Is it what like she, yeah. What have you learned from her leadership style? 
you know, I think like that is like that to me is, is it, it's, it's about, um, you know, hiring the right folks and then really like allowing them to do what you hired them for. Right. Not, she's not going to hire me because of my background and this and then do my job for me, but really give me like the agency to do what it is that I am, you know, um, that she brought me in to do. But then that said, it's also being there and being a sounding board and being a resource. It's not just like, okay, go, you know? Um, and like I said, I think we all have, we all are very ambitious people. Right. We all are very passionate people. We're all very sort of kind of values um, driven and mission led um, people. And she, she leads the company that way. Yeah. Uh, she's an incredible force. She's had a profound impact on, on my family. Just, um, just a, a quick anecdote anecdote. I have a 16 year old daughter um, who is obsessed, obsessed with this idea of going to Harvard law because when she was 12, she watched legally blonde and um you know what's so interesting is people often ask her you know what sparked this for you and she will say because i watched reese witherspoon and legally blonde and people will say to my daughter oh don't tell people that that's the reason you want to go and i and i always say to people why do you say that to her that's her spark it doesn't matter it, it, just because I guess the character she plays in the, in the movie in the, in the beginning is, you know, comes across as, you know, a certain way. And, you know, people want our, uh, my daughter's answer to be something different, something else that sparked her love for law. But it was that movie. Yeah. And I yeah. guess the lesson, you know, and I always tell my daughter is you can't decide where your spark comes from in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever excites you about something or turns you on to it or gets you going about something. And so I, I've actually told her, like, I think this is actually something really interesting for you to write in your college essay about how people have told you not to talk about this as your yeah. spark. And she's like, no, mom, they're not going to accept me. And I'm like, <laughs> anyway, so we're working on that. But yeah, she's, she's made a profound impact. So I thought that was really interesting. Anyways, I'm moving back to your story. Um, so we talked about, I understand that a majority part of the leadership at Hello Sunshine is primarily made up of women. And um, one question that my team wanted me to ask you is, do you feel that there's ever more fierce competition amongst your colleagues? Because there are so few roles and leadership for women. Do you feel like there's a cattiness or people are not as collaborative? And I'm sure that in your environment, it doesn't exist as much because you guys are like, you know, the gold standard of what we all want to be. But is that, does that exist at all? No, I can say that honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I wish I had a longer answer, but no, it doesn't. You know, and I think too, like we do have, we do have more women than most companies and more women in leadership positions. And I'll say there are a lot of men and we say to people all the time, like the opposite of the patriarchy is not a matriarchy. So it is really important to us that our kind of leadership team and leadership at all levels in the company is diverse. And, but no, there's not. And I think a lot of that has to do with the values that we set as a company. There's no room for that. There's no desire. I, I, because ultimately what we're trying to build is a modern media company. We are stronger as a whole, as a result of all the various parts and how interconnected they right. are. So no, no cattiness. I love that. I, again, you're, you're probably not the right company to ask because you guys are the gold standard for this. I've heard from, you know, the, the reputation of the company and how 
um, your culture works is, you know, what so many companies achieve to have. So that's incredible. But, you know, it's just, it's something that I've heard from other women in their career that because there are so few um, positions, leadership positions, that sometimes people are nervous to be so collaborative or to kind of show their cards because they, they're worried about somebody vying for their job. Um, so it's refreshing to hear that that's not something that, that you guys deal with. So are, is Hello Sunshine more focused on television right now or is there also a lot of interest in film projects moving up moving forward is it both it's both you know i think the the way our business is is set up we have three different studio businesses so we have scripted film and television we have unscripted and kids and animation and across all of those businesses we're doing both you know television and film i say on the scripted side we have done um more television, and we just had a really exciting announcement about where the crawdads sing. So we're super excited to, to be able to shoot that soon, hopefully. Um, but yeah, across all of those studios, we, we do both. And when Hello Sunshine produces a show, do you guys bother to pitch it to linear networks or just streaming platforms? Oh, sure. I mean, I think we, we um, the, the team, with the, the various folks who are leading our studio businesses, we all spend a lot of time talking about, and they think here's this project and, and matching that project to its like best home. So, you know, I think it's, it's really looking at, you know, the range of buyers and what makes, what makes the most sense for them. But we've, we've worked with, I think we've announced things with all of the streaming platforms and, you know, obviously have a show on HBO and other things that I probably am not allowed to talk about. I'll get in trouble, but <laughs> linear platforms as well. So, yeah. Is there a show that you guys all kind of believe is the, the quintessential Hello Sunshine show? Oh my gosh. The talk about a question that'll get me in trouble. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, I can't answer that. They all are. They all are. I mean, look, I'm just so proud to be part of a company like ours that approaches storytelling. They have such impeccable taste and really clear sense of, you know, Hello Sunshine, our brand um and our mission and stories that like elevate and advance those those things so our mission isn't window dressing our mission sits at the center of everything that we do and it's it it very much defines who hello sunshine is and what a hello sunshine project is and so that's why i can't really just pick one you know um i understand Awesome. All right. Well, I think you have answered most of my questions. We're, we're running out of time, so I want to be respectful of your time. So I just have my rapid fire questions, which are I'm going to ask you quick and just one line answers. That'll um, be hard for me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us what is your leadership style? I think it was as a coach. I am. I have high expectations, but I will help you get there. What is your favorite way to practice self-care? Used to be getting facials. Haven't done that in a few months. <laughs> What's your favorite time management technique or tool? I've used the getting things done method, GTD. I find that really helpful. Just the lists, write it down immediately. Don't try to remember it. And can you list or name any um, really influential or powerful women in, that have really um, formed who you are today? My mom for sure, is probably the biggest one. It's a good one. And how do you define success? You know, for me, success is synonymous with impact. So am I having an impact? Am I making a difference in, in the world and whatever, you know, fill in the blank sphere for those who are coming behind me? 
So in business, it means for me, am I creating the space for my team to grow and to flourish? Am I helping them set ambitious goals and then reach them and become great leaders as a result? And then to turn around and do the same thing. Awesome. All right. Well, we're done with that part. I do have one other question just because I'm curious. You guys are all working from home right now. Is there plans or are people excited to go back to the office or are you guys thinking this is all working? You know, I think I think that we're doing a great job in the midst of a challenging circumstance. I'm excited to go back to the office. I think there's something that you miss about just, I call it the drive-bys, just being able to see people. Right. I think we're, we're doing the best we can in a, in a tough situation and, you know, you got to take it one day at a time and I don't want to go back too soon right. um, for obvious reasons. But I, I love the people that I get to work alongside every single day. And I sometimes I miss getting to see them in the flesh. It's so. just not the same, right? Not the yeah. same. Awesome. Well, I think that is everything, Liz. You have nailed it. I'm so inspired by you, your story. I'm so grateful to have you on She Dynasty. I can't wait till people hear you, hear you speak. And thank you for, thank you for being a true inspiration. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this. This is such, um, this is such important work. Um, and I, I feel like grateful to have been a part of, uh, of your podcast today. 